Welcome to the Rooted Woman Podcast. This is a place where we have conversations about instinctual, sovereign womanhood and motherhood. I'm your host, Bethany Wild. I'm a mother, author, womb pelvic healing guide, and support those along the motherhood continuum. You can find my womb massage and scar tissue healing workshops, pelvic care training, and more at bethanywild.com. And now for the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Rooted Woman podcast. Today is going to be a special birth story. It's fun because I know Anna in real life. She is a friend of mine, a good friend here in Texas. And we actually met when I hosted, um, a friend and I hosted Sister Morningstar last year for a weekend workshop called The Art of Instinctual Living, which was such a beautiful, nourishing, life-changing weekend where we learned all about um, instinctual living and all these areas of womanhood and motherhood and birthing and midwifery. And it was just a really uh, beautiful weekend of sisterhood and just soaking up the wisdom from Mother Morningstar. So that's uh, where I met Anna and we've gotten uh, closer over the last year and it's been so special to witness her and her pregnancy and her birth and um or at least like the postpartum I wasn't there for the birth but but I think you'll really enjoy her story and this episode um so she talks about how she moved from working in a very mainstream labor and delivery nurse job and her path into that and her path out of it. And I think that's such a rare and unique thing to break out of that system. And I've seen her true commitment and devotion to unpacking all of that and just witnessing how much trust that she really does have in that process of, you know, physiological birth and, and pregnancy. And, um, yeah, I'm just really, I've been in awe of her ability to actually leave that way of thinking behind and fully commit to trusting herself and her instincts and her body and her baby And I think, again, that's just a very, um, it's a rare thing, especially coming from a system and a job like that. And so you can really see where her heart is and how she just has an obvious calling to this path of, um, you know, like authentic midwifery. And um, so I also wanted to just include in the show notes for anyone who resonates with her story who has been drawn to the path of midwifery and thought that their only way into that is through the system, through nurse midwifery or, you know, licensed midwifery, that there are many other ways to serve women during that time. 
um, outside the system to if if this is something that calls to you and you don't resonate with a lot of the the ways of doing things within the system and all the rules and regulations. Um, so there's a few different trainings, but I'm just going to link the one that I can personally recommend because I've been through her course. Um, it's elder midwife Wapio. She has, um, well, she has both online and in-person trainings, but the one that I took was a holistic midwifery year long, um, like birth keeper, uh, cohort mentorship. It's, it's an incredible body of knowledge. Um, I can really attest to just how much you're going to learn within, within it. So I'll link that in the show notes for anyone who feels called to this path. So I'm going to go ahead and read the description for this episode, and then we will get into Anna's story. Anna shares her stories of the calling to serve mothers leading her into the system as a labor and delivery nurse and her emergence out of that world after the traumatic first full-term birth of her son. She talks about psychedelic conception, early pregnancy loss at home, her story and approach with preeclampsia, and her most recent fast free birth of her second son at home. Anna's stories are her evolution as a woman and mother, stories of cultivating deep trust and instinct through birthing and her power. All right, and now for Anna's stories. Okay, so I think my story really starts when I was a young girl. I have, for as long as I remember, just always been fascinated by birth and been intrigued with the idea of becoming a mother. Um, I remember literally just visualizing what it would be like to give birth and um, seeing photos of my mom giving birth and always wanting to talk to her about it. So even more so than wanting to be a mother, I was just like obsessed with birth for as long as I can remember. Um, and then when I was, I think around like 17, I saw the documentary Business of Being Born and I was just like shocked. Um, I really didn't have a lot of knowledge about, you know, the system or anything. But that was my first like sneak peek into that. And um I felt really passionate, like, oh my gosh, I should be a midwife. This is my calling. And, you know, that's around the age, at least like in my friend group, everyone's trying to figure out what they're going to do when they grow up. And I was like, this answers my question. I'm going to be a midwife. Um, so yeah, just very passionate about that. I remember like being at parties and trying to like explain to people like the Pitocin to epidural to C-section like pipeline. And everyone's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Um, so yeah, just like loving birth and wanting to be like a part of that. 
Um, so I decided to go to nursing school. I thought that would be like the quickest, easiest route to become a, um, a midwife. I really only knew about like certified nurse midwives. I didn't know there were other options. So I was like, okay, I'm going to become a nurse. And, um, yeah, so during my senior year of college, I actually accidentally, well, unintentionally got pregnant. Um, and that ended up being really a life changing experience for me. I did end up, um, miscarrying at 10 weeks and, um, yeah, going through that and seeing just, it was like my first, like, um, my first like personal experience with birth and like a brush of, with motherhood, you could say. Um, like I, so yeah, the pregnancy obviously like wasn't intentional, but when I found out I was pregnant, I wanted that baby so badly. And, um, was so excited and was just like full on, like, yes, I'm going to do this. Like everything makes sense. I'm supposed to be a mom. This feels amazing. Um, and losing that baby, it was, you know, in a, in a lot of ways, like shocking how intense physically that experience was for my body. I remember um, the release started overnight and I couldn't even stay in bed. I had to get up, I went outside, I had to walk for hours. Um, it was really a lot like labor, you know, a more mild labor than what I've experienced, but um, yeah. And then now seeing how I felt emotionally and like the days and weeks following, it really was like a true postpartum time. Like my emotions, like I had the baby blues, like I had all that and um, yeah, that's something that I don't think a lot of women are prepared for. Um, I did choose to just stay home for that miscarriage. And I had like, the reason I chose to stay home was because the summer prior, I actually worked in an emergency room as like a nurse tech kind of a thing. And I saw um, like what they had to offer women with a miscarriage. I'm like, I don't want that. They don't really do much. Like, I just want to be home. Like, yeah, I didn't feel like I needed any help. And, and I was really happy because in some ways, like full circle, that was like my first free birth. Because um, there were people in my life like, you need to go to the hospital. Why aren't you going to the hospital? And I'm like, I don't need to go to the hospital. I know I don't need to go to the hospital. Um, so, yeah. And then, so emotionally, yeah, that was hard. But I was able to actually come out of it and see it as... A huge yeah. blessing. Honey, honey. Um, see it as a huge blessing and see it as a, it like really sort of helped everything in my life fall into alignment in like this crystal clear way. And this is something I've seen with every pregnancy and birth is my whole life will rearrange to be like exactly what it needs to be. Like what, what no longer serves will fall away. And that's definitely was true for that birth and for my other births. Um, so after that, I was able to see that 
wow, there is so much medicine in motherhood. And like, I cannot wait. Like, I just barely got a glimpse of this. And like, I already just, I felt like I just grew light years from that situation. Um, and I'm kind of like a growth junkie, you know, like I, I want the, I want those hard experiences. I want the expansion. Um, so I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> Can you share, you mentioned to me off camera before about your conception without pregnancy, if you feel open to sharing, I think that's just such an interesting piece of this pregnancy. Yes. So in that pregnancy, um, well, during the conception, I was actually having an, a trip on LSD and it was with like a, a partner of mine and him and I were on LSD together and decided, um, you know, whatever, let's have sex. And we felt the conception physically happen. We both oh, felt both it. of you. Oh, okay. And we were like, oh my gosh, we just made a baby. And then I was, after the fact, I was a little bit like, was that just like a weird, like, you know, I was on drugs. Was that like a, was that true? Was it not? But it felt very real and it was very real. Um, and ever since that moment, like with my two subsequent pregnancies, I've also felt the conception the exact same way. And so for me, there's, there's no way to know if, if I would just feel it or if that experience is like imprinted and has like, now I know what to feel for. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, do you feel like a physical sensation or do you get images like a spirit baby? No, it's like, like very physical. It's very in my body. Wow. Yeah. Like in your ovaries, do you think? Or it's, just? It feels more in my uterus, like in my womb. Wow. I like feel... I don't know it's like a little spark is the best way to describe yeah. it yeah um, have you seen the the zinc spark have you seen those videos it's no. they call it the zinc spark when the sperm meets the egg and it's like this flash it's oh. really cool if you look it up on YouTube I'll I'll show I'll send you a video yeah I've never even heard of that <laughs> yeah so it is it is a spark it's so magical yeah that's exactly what it feels like for me now so it's like wow wild um, but then, yeah, I do end up having like, like dreams and visions of the baby kind of right towards the beginning of pregnancies too. But, um, but yeah, so there was that, um, I ended up like parting ways with that partner, moving away to a different city, getting my first job as a labor and delivery nurse. And during that time of my life, really just yearning for my babies, um, I was praying for the father of my children to be revealed to me. Like that was like my, my daily prayer. Like I want these babies so bad. Like I just, I was so hungry for motherhood. I could just, I could feel my babies right there waiting to come through to me. And um, yeah, working as an L&D nurse was a wild experience. Um, I was very, very naive looking back. I thought that I would be able to be the hero, um, which, you know, there's like so many things wrong with that view in so many ways, but I, I did really believe like, no, I could protect these women. Like I remember one time um, 
feeling like I protected a woman from having an episiotomy and doctor was about to cut it. And I was like, stop, why are you doing that? And it was just this very impatient male doctor who was used to doing that to almost all of his patients. And he got so angry with me. And I remember feeling like, like proud, like, oh, I helped save her. But it's like, it's this bigger system. Like there is no, you know, she probably had so much trauma from other ways in that birth anyway. So, you know, it just, there was no saving anybody, anybody in that system. And um, I, I did start to become a bit disenchanted with the system during that job and um, quit that job, took a couple months off from being a nurse and then ended up meeting my current partner who I'm married to now. We moved to Texas together and decided to get another labor and delivery job here in Texas. And, um, oh, that's when, that's when things went like bad to worse. Like if I thought the hospital I was at before was bad, like, no, <laughs> the hospital I was at in Texas was way, way worse. Um, and yeah, that's just the whole other story, but ended up getting pregnant with my first son. Um, that was in that was in August of 2020. So towards kind of like right in the thick of like all the COVID stuff um, and also moved to Texas during all the COVID stuff. So I really didn't know anyone here. Yeah, so second pregnancy, but first baby. Um, there was a lot of, there was just a lot of fear for me in that pregnancy towards the beginning after the, the loss that I had experienced, the miscarriage. I was just terrified of going through that. I didn't, you know, I was like, I, this baby has to stay. Like it just felt death. I was like desperate, almost feeling like, just felt like I could not deal with that loss again. And then, um, you know, we considered, we had talked about, oh, should we hire a home birth midwife? Um, or, you know, kind of talked about what we should do for the birth, me and my partner. And we decided that we wanted to do a, um, a birth center. We kind of were like, okay, that's like the best of both worlds, kind of like, okay, it's going to be more natural, but there's going to be people to help us. And, you know, our insurance covers it. And, you know, let's just do that. And I, I really had this belief, like, because I'm a labor and delivery nurse and I know so much, they're not going to try to like fuck with me pretty much. Like they're going to let me do what I want. Like they have to, I really, I really believe, believe that. Um, so yeah, that was, that was a really, really challenging pregnancy for me. I had a lot of nausea and vomiting every single day for the entire pregnancy. And I just hated it every day. Like I just hated being pregnant and I hated that I hated being pregnant. You know, I was like, I've always wanted this. Um, but I can see now looking back, there was so much, like there was so much victimhood at play. Like I was really operating as if I was a victim of this pregnancy, that like something was happening mm -hmm. to my body outside of me and it was making me feel like shit. <laughs> how dare this happen? <laughs> like, I, yeah. 
That's and the narrative. That's the mainstream narrative yes. about pregnancy. So were you working full-time during the whole pregnancy? Yes. So I was working full-time. I was working the night shift, which is so death body. Like, right. And you're growing up every day. That sounds so hard. Growing up every day, I was, um, I had been like off and on vegan, vegetarian for years. So just super nutritionally depleted already. Um, I was eating like mac and cheese, cheese and mashed potatoes like every day at pregnancy. Like that's what all I freaking ate. Like I was so unhealthy. Um, yeah. And like wonder, wondering why I felt horrible. <laughs> but yeah, in some ways I, well, looking back, I'm like, I wish those midwives would have told me like, you know, they'd always ask me what I ate and I would tell them, I'm like, I eat carbs day and night. And I remember sometimes I'm being like, maybe try to have a little more protein. So I'm just like, why am I always vomiting? You know, why do I always feel sick? Um, but I mean, there's more to unpack there. Like, yeah, I didn't, you know, looking back, there is still some outsourcing. Like I, somebody should have told me, but it's, I could have done my own research. Um, but yeah, felt like a victim. Um, and I was like, it really felt like I was playing out a lot of drama in that pregnancy, like just wanting a lot of like attention and pity. And um, I feel like some of it was like this shadow self that knew it was gonna have to be integrated soon. And it like, didn't wanna be, <laughs> it's like, let's fully play this out like one last time. Um, and I was probably like really insufferable that pregnancy. Well, it sounds like you didn't have the community too. So it makes sense that you were like trying to draw in, you know, energy and attention and people. Yes. That's totally what was happening. Yeah. Yeah. So the other piece in that pregnancy was there was like, just like extreme cognitive, cognitive dissonance going on. Um, cause on one hand I was doing a lot of research and learning for the first time that, oh my gosh, maybe ultrasound isn't as safe as I thought it was. And maybe I shouldn't be exposing my baby to a lot of ultrasound, but then I would go to work and literally pull out the ultrasound machine and oh, no. apply it to my baby almost every day. Oh no. <laughs> And um, not every day. I mean, I probably did it four or five times in the first trimester, which is a lot. Um, but it was just this fear and anxiety and mistrust in my body and my baby that I was like, I know this isn't going to tell me anything other than that my baby has a heartbeat in this moment, but I just need to know that. Like, I was just desperate for that information. Um, and I would go home and tell tell my husband oh I did another ultrasound and he was like stop doing the ultrasound he was getting so angry like we're literally talking about how it's not safe and you're going and doing it and I'm like I just can't help it like it was so I don't know it was a really weird I was in a really weird place in that pregnancy and just not trusting not trusting at all and wanting to control yeah I mean you were seeing all those births in the system and you had all these tools at your disposal it's it's impossible to exactly it's like that and so that it was working in that hospital that really 
undermined my trust in birth, I think. The first hospital where I worked at, you know, still not great, but there was a large midwife group and there were definitely a lot more, you know, I'd see more closer to normal births there. Ah, ah. This other hospital, it was so medicalized. Birth and pregnancy was just always pathologized there. And, you know, those coworkers were my main community during that time. They were who I was talking to my pregnancy about. And yeah. And we, a bunch of us were pregnant at the same time and we would all go line up and just ultrasound together. It was so sick. Like, you know. <laughs> um, I know. Poor you, <laughs> That's my first uni- Yeah. I mean, you need women during your pregnancy. I could so see the, yeah, you know, the sisterhood in that, even if it's not who you are anymore. Yes, exactly. Um, anyways, yeah, a lot of, a, just a lot there, like emotionally and spiritually in that, pre- in that pregnancy. Um, I just felt like, yeah, very like spiritually disconnected, emotionally disconnected, not very connected to my baby. Um, fast forward to 37 weeks. I go to my prenatal appointment with the midwives and they're like, oh, you have high blood pressure and you have um, protein in your urine. You need to go straight to the hospital for an induction. And so I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, we got to go straight to the hospital. Like just felt fell into that drama but it the at that point my blood pressure wasn't that high and the protein wasn't you know it's still variable like it wasn't quite preeclampsia yet it was just kind of on the way and they're like oh we just want to get the baby out before it becomes a problem Mm -hmm. I was like okay I guess so so we ended up going to the hospital where I had worked and um yeah, I got admitted and had an induction. I was indu- induced with Pitocin. Luckily, it was a very like, you know, easy induction for how inductions can go. It was only four hours. Um, I, I had an epidural and I was started on a medication called magnesium sulfate, which is for preeclampsia. And um one thing to know about the magnesium sulfate is it is a central nervous system depressant. So that's what alcohol is, a central nervous system depressant. So it's a very similar downer effect, like just brings you totally flat. Um, so I was like on drugs, like I was on heavy drugs when I gave birth. Because um, I also had that the epidural, which is also like, you know, fentanyl and so that birth was really, truly an out-of-body experience. I was so disassociated. And the worst part of that birth for me, on top of all of that, was that, um, like, the whole freaking staff just decided they were, like, welcome in my birth. So people that I worked with that I didn't even know very well, didn't even like, Everybody just came piling in the room when it was like baby time. And I was like, what is happening? Why is like everyone in here? And like, they just felt like they could be. There were probably like 10 people in the room. So it was like a dark room. And then they put this like spotlight on me. And then all these people are there and they're like 
cheering. They're like deciding to be like cheerleaders. And they're like yelling like, go, 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 go. And it was like, it's seriously one of the most like out of body experiences of my life looking back. And like that memory, I'm like above everything, you know? Um, and then, yeah, my baby's born and um, they bring him up to my chest and I just like didn't have words and I didn't really, I, I just didn't really feel anything. I was like, whoa, what, what just happened? And I remember like wanting to like love on my baby and like seeing to my baby and, but feeling so like almost embarrassed, like just very aware that I was being watched. I'm like, oh my gosh, everyone's here. Like, how am I supposed to be like the most vulnerable, like, you know, my most vulnerable self with my baby right now with all these coworkers that I don't particularly like, like it was such a weird dynamic. Um, yeah. So that was kind of a, that was kind of a brutal start to motherhood for me. Um, I ended up having a pretty like tough postpartum time after that birth. Um, just like felt really alone, felt super anxious and didn't know why I had never really dealt with anxiety in my life before but after I gave birth I was like anxiety like crazy and I just didn't understand why like why don't I feel like I don't know like this bliss or this you know I was just and you know knowing what I know now like yeah my whole hormonal matrix was completely interrupted and not left intact and that affected my bonding with my baby and and it affected my baby in so many ways he had a really tough transition out of the womb um just you know he wasn't ready to be born and didn't want to be born and wasn't happy to be out yet and um you know as a mother you're like why is my baby crying all the time am I do like why don't I know the right thing to do for him and um yeah, that was hard too. So it was just felt very disempowering. Um, so during that pregnancy, I had started listening to the um, Free Birth Society podcast. So actually one of my coworkers had told me about it. Um, she's like, yeah, there's this like crazy thing that women do where they just like have their babies by themselves. I was like, really? that sounds cool. I'll check it out. <laughs> um, and I remember like, yeah, just the first episode I listened to was so beautiful. It was like about this outdoor birth in Hawaii with like drums. And I'm like, oh, that sounds amazing. But like, no, I could never, like, I would never. Um, and then through that pregnancy, I remember telling people like, oh, I wish I could just stay home and have this baby like alone in the bathtub. I would say that and you know I'd be like but you know of course I would not do that but like that would be amazing um so I just find it funny it's like my heart knew what it wanted <laughs> but I'm just like no it's just not you know yeah so luckily like breastfeeding was good um 
I, I did some, um, like some therapy after having my first son. And I felt like that, like helped me work through some of the anxiety piece. And, um, I really, really dove into the free birth society podcast and just went like, I was listening to like two episodes a day. I was just like, I couldn't get enough. Cause I was like, like in my mind, I was like, pretty much within two months of giving birth to my first son. I was like, if I have another baby, I am doing a free birth. Like I am not going through that again. That was bullshit. Like there's just no doubt in my mind. I was just, I don't know why that experience. I mean, I do know why that experience was so bad. And I'm like, I will never do that again. And, you know, learning like the only way to prevent this abuse well, it felt like in that moment, the only way to prevent the abuse is to do this totally by myself. Um, so I was about 10 months postpartum and uh, surprise, I got pregnant again. Oh, wait, let, let me ask you to go back for a sec. At what yeah. point did you go back to work? And then at what point did you start feeling like working in that environment was I guess, intolerable for you and you wanted it, like you just couldn't do it anymore. Yes. Um, so I went back to work when I was about four months postpartum and again on the night shift and I was working every other weekend. So a total of four shifts a week. And I did that. I ended up doing that for two months. So only like eight shifts back. Um, but I mean, it was pretty quickly. I was just, it was like every shift was just terrible in so many ways. I would dread it the whole two weeks leading up to having to go. And it felt so, so, so wrong to see what I was doing to these women. And it was getting to the point where I was not able to do my job because somebody would come in like, crowning about to push their baby out and they'd be like start the antibiotics for gbs and i'd be like no that's the dumbest that's stupid i'm not doing that like i was not able to it got to the point i just couldn't do my job you know and you know they were getting mad at me like this is what you have to do i'm like but i'm not going to <laughs> um or like you know call me if there's this or that and i'll come do a c-section and like not i wouldn't call <laughs> you know i was just <laughs> I wasn't doing what they wanted me to do anymore um, because I just, yeah, I did not believe in hospital. I just didn't believe in hospital, hospital birth anymore for the majority of people. Um, yeah, I was like, this is not good. So, you know, thankfully I was able to just talk to my husband and be like, I, I cannot do this job anymore. And he's like, all right, quit. Like, I don't, he's like, we can make it work, you know? We'll, we'll figure it out but yeah it sounds really out of alignment now <laughs> like people would call like oh I think I'm in labor I'm not sure should I come in I'd be like no stay home as long as possible <laughs> don't come until the baby's crowning <laughs> um yeah I just wasn't what, being was, trainers. what was that like though I can feel I feel like that would be so difficult because that was like your your passion and your calling to be a midwife and then it just shattered and then you just don't know what to do anymore did you just 
you know, focus on motherhood and worry about that later? Where were you at with that? Yeah, I, I think at that point I was like, okay, I know this is not the path for me right now in the hospital. Um, and yeah, I was really just focusing on motherhood at that point and was just like, you know, I just want to be with my baby. I still feel drawn to birth work, but I think in the future, I'll figure out where that piece like fits into my life. And like, I just think right now it's not for me. Um, and then, yeah, through like different like research and like listening to different podcasts, I started learning that, oh, there are other ways to be a midwife. You don't have to be a certified nurse midwife, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so I was like, oh, okay, I'll probably, I still feel this way, probably in the future, find my way to midwifery um, in one way or another, but yeah. Traditional midwifery. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Traditional midwifery. Yeah. Yeah. I would not want to have a license, but mm -hmm. so yeah, um, fast forward, yeah, I'm starting to feel like pretty good in motherhood, feel like I'm getting the hang of things. And, um, and then I get pregnant again. And again, I felt the spark and I was like, oh no. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I had not had my cycle return after having my first baby. So when I told my, my husband, um, we just made a baby. He was like, no, we didn't. There's no way. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm a hundred percent sure. And, um, <laughs> he like did not love believe it. Me. He did not believe me. So then finally, like two weeks later, I peed on a stick. I was like, come see for yourself. And he was like, oh my gosh. And then I think the next words I said out of my mouth were, um, I'm having a free birth. And he said, I know. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> that was that. Um, great answer. Yeah. <laughs> it was a great answer. Um, he's, he was like very supportive of it. He was very much of the mindset, like, this is your thing. Like, whatever you want to do, that's fine. It's not like he like really is like passionate about birth and like, oh yeah, let's do it. He's just like, whatever, that's your thing. He's great energy with with birth and all of that I love it he is yeah he's like mm. he's able to be like really calm about it which is good he, tr and he like, trusts me excited. a lot excited yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah he trusts me um okay so 10 months postpartum 10 months postpartum I'm pregnant um and yeah I should mention after I had my my first baby I was um I, I switched to start eating meat. I had found like the Weston A. Price stuff. So I sort of went really gung-ho on like beef and beef liver and, you know, just really tried to start like nourishing myself in a way I hadn't before. And oh my gosh, the first time I ate steak, it was like my full body was just like, yes, like, oh, it felt so good. And um, yeah, so I had, I was just starting to nourish myself after years of depletion and undernourishment. Um, and so in this next pregnancy, I actually didn't have like any morning sickness. I didn't have any nausea. I didn't have any vomiting. I think I had like a week of like a little bit of nausea, like maybe like at like six or seven weeks. And then it was like gone. I felt amazing. I was just like, this is crazy because I felt like total shit my last pregnancy. 
wow, just Had having off. some like nourishing food will really do that for you. Um, I mean, who knows? There's so many different factors at play, but I do think that that was probably a big piece was that I was actually having protein and enough calories and um, yeah. So also notable at the beginning of that pregnancy, I attended the Sister Morning Star weekend that you hosted. Um, and that was like so inspiring to me in so many ways to gather with women who had birthed in power. Like that was the first time I had met anybody who really birthed outside the system. Um, and to meet so many all at one time, I was like, oh my gosh, these are my people. Um, and if they can do it, I can do it. And I was so, and also just like meeting Sister Morningstar is like amazing. And just like being in her wisdom and yeah, that energy like really set the tone for the pregnancy and just like carried me through, um, carried me through a lot. Like I, I would think about that weekend all the time. So yeah, that was a beautiful start to the pregnancy. I would say I had like, um, just uh, like life stressor wise, I had like a good amount of stress in my life. You know, we were a little like housing unstable. Um, yeah, there was, but pregnancy wise, it was just like an amazing pregnancy, you know, normal stuff towards the end, like some aches and pains and, but nothing. Yeah. Like most of the time I kind of just forgot I was even pregnant and just enjoyed being a mother to my toddler and just, yeah, had a, had a good old time. Um, oh yeah, I guess I should mention I had like a, you know, quote unquote, like wild pregnancy for the most part. I did do one appointment when I was about 34 weeks with a home birth midwife who, um, she just looked into a fetoscope and then like wrote a note saying like confirming my pregnancy. And I really just wanted to do that. Um, just to make like the birth certificate process, like as easy as possible. Um, and it like felt good and fine. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, but otherwise I really did. I didn't have any interaction with the system. Um, I did see a chiropractor a few times just for like some pains, but yeah. And that felt amazing because it just really kind of like sealed in for me. Like this is a normal like life process. This isn't this event that you have to go to the doctor every month for. Um, like it's just like part of the cycle of life. I mean, not to be too like basic about it, but yeah, it just really felt like that for me. Like, okay, this is just the normal part. Um, so yeah, do you want me to just get into the birth? Yeah, so it sounds like it was easy for you to trust and you didn't feel like you yeah. had many worries or anything this time around. Yeah, it was totally different from my first pregnancy. Totally different. Like um, I didn't do any ultrasounds this time instead of like doing like 50 or however many I did. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even have any desire to. I just felt into so much trust and I just felt like I realized so much of what had been happening before was this desire to control and when I finally realized that oh control is really an illusion um like there is no controlling this you know like <laughs> um 
I was able to just like, yeah, totally surrender to it. And if like a fear thought would pop up, I would kind of just like get curious and explore it. Like, okay. Yeah. So you feel worried about this, but like, what's the worst thing that could happen? Yeah. Your baby dies. Okay. Is there any way to prevent that? No. Okay. Well, that's that, (laughs) you know? Um, Yeah, totally. Not to sound like, I don't know what's the right word, like insensitive, but it's just like, that's kind of how it came down to for me. Like, you know, I've seen also enough death in labor delivery too, to know that's also an option for anyone and everyone in this continuum of childbearing. So, mm-hmm. um, so just yeah. kind of coming to peace with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. It just reminds me of this quote. I read this now one of my favorite books, the book of longings. It's this fiction book, but I remember this one quote Um, the main character has a stillbirth and her aunt tells her let life be life let death be death and it's just that is the way of trust um maybe you can talk about yeah just the end of pregnancy and what that was like yeah and that was definitely the most challenging um aspect of the birth for me probably the or the, pregnancy, the last two weeks of pregnancy um I had told myself this story that my baby was totally going to be born at 37 weeks and I know not to do that like I like I know you're not <laughs> supposed to do that I know you're supposed to expect 42 plus you know but I just did it <laughs> and um I actually remember you a couple of times trying to like help me readjust. I'm like, no, Bethany, you don't know. You don't know my body. Like, (laughs) (laughs) and I remember you saying too, like, but I was induced at 37 weeks. So I know I'm like, it doesn't make sense. (laughs) Um, But like, but all the women in your family, your, the women in your family have also birthed early. Yes. Like my mom and sister have had all their like four each at 37 weeks. So I'm like, of course I'm going to do the same. Um, but, um, spoiler alert, I didn't, but I I didn't go like super long. Yeah. I ended up giving birth at 39 weeks and six days. So just the day before my, um, 40 weeks, but I, yeah, those last two weeks were really just, oh, just so emotionally intense, just being in the, the waiting um, because I was having um, prodromal labor. So, you know, I kind of like hate that term. Like pretty much I, you know, I had like a, a two week labor, I would say. Um, and it was just, you know, every night like clockwork, right? As I was like cleaning up dinner, they would start. And, you know, the first time it happened, I was like, this is it. I'm so excited. I was like, let's go I I get on my ball I'm like ready um and they would go all night long and then you know around eight or nine a.m they would stop and that was kind of my daily pattern and I just started feeling so defeated by it because I'm like for one this is uncomfortable and I can't really sleep through this and this is annoying um and two like I did start having like some I don't know if doubt in my body is the right 
awkward, but I was just sort of being like, is my baby like in the wrong position or like, you know, kind of starting to pathologize it a little bit in my head. And then again, I did that like exercise where like, what, what can I do about it? Like nothing. (laughs) I I can't do anything. I just have to like, that just kind of kept being my mantra. Like there is nothing to be done. Like, this is just it. You have to go through it. And so yeah, finally, um, finally one night they started and, you know, I told my husband, oh yeah, they're here again, but probably going to just go away like they do all the time. They continue all night long. I'm kind of like sleeping off and on, um, wake up, um, and my toddler and I actually like slept in together a little bit. Like we didn't wake up until like eight thirty or nine. We wake up and I'm like, oh, these contractions are actually still happening and they're actually like pretty consistent, but they weren't like painful. I was just like, oh, I don't know, we'll see. Um, but my husband didn't have to go into work till 11 that day, which is like really unusual for him. Like maybe the only time that's ever happened. Like he always goes right at like seven or eight, but he's like, oh yeah, I don't have to go in till 11. That's when my first meeting is. I was like, okay, perfect let's go to um, Whole Foods together just because, you know, I had kept like going to the grocery store and like stocking up on all the stuff and then I'd like eat it all. And so I'm like, we're out of labor <laughs> snacks. We're out, I'm like eating all the labor snacks. <laughs> um, like we need to go to Whole Foods and um, like get some, get some groceries. And he's like, okay. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get in the shower first. So I'm showering and I decided to turn on like my birth playlist in the shower and so I'm just kind of like swaying and the waves they just start coming and coming and coming and I was like okay you know still just kind of in denial like okay it's probably gonna stop um and then a certain song on the playlist comes on and I just start like bawling just like this huge release of emotion and just surrender to my baby like come when you're ready you know it's okay and you know I love you and I can't wait to welcome you in my arms and we're gonna do this together and um yeah so just kind of move through that in the shower felt sort of like refreshed get out and I'm like at this point I get out of the shower and I'm still thinking okay we should go to the grocery store but I do think I'm in labor so like let's just go really fast and within like two minutes they just start like coming hard and like really intense so I um had my husband call our friends to come get our son and it only took them like 10 minutes to come but in those 10 minutes I went from like kind of maybe I'm in labor to like transition I was just I was on my hands and knees in the living room just screaming my husband had taken Bodie, my um, older son, outside because I was like, get him out of here. Like, I didn't want him to see me like that. And I just didn't, I don't know, he was just a lot of energy. Um, so I was just alone in here. And um, our friends picked my son up. And she told me later that there was like someone walking by our house, walking the dog. And they all heard me like scream really loud. And he like looked at the house like, what's going on in there? um and yeah it just 
from then on, it's all like a little bit of a blur because within an hour and a half, I was like holding my baby. Um, but yeah, I was just kind of jumping around like in the tub, on the toilet, tried a contraction in the bed. I hated that. Pretty much I just hated every, like every minute of it. I could not get comfortable. I was in like, yeah, I was in excruciating pain. That's how I would describe it. Like it was, it was very intense, like worse than I could imagine. <laughs> oh. um, but that's just the reality for me. And honestly though, I, I'm, I am grateful that it happened that way because there was no room to be in my head at all. It was so physical. I was so in my body that like, I forgot that what was happening was labor. I was just like in this vortex of like intensity and like heightened sensitivity in every way. And um, I remember about halfway through the labor, this was the peak intensity moment. I actually called you and I think I told you like, I want an epidural, I can't do this. I was just kind of like screaming through my contractions and we had not like previously discussed you coming at all. And I hadn't even in my head like thought of that or considered that. But in that moment I was like, oh, can you just come? <laughs> and you're like, yeah, yeah, I'll come. You're like, I'm an hour from my car. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, so while I was on the phone with you um, during one of like, I would say the most intense contraction, my water um, released. And I remember noticing that there was like a little bit of meconium. And that was like the one time I went into my head and was like, okay, meconium, how do I feel about this? Yeah, I feel fine. Um, and after that, got back into the bathtub, and that's when like the pre-baby emergence, like stillness, just kind of like washed over me, and I was finally fully able to just ride the waves more, rather than just like scream and fight and like what the hell is happening to me. Um. So I'm in the tub, I'm riding the waves and things all get very like sensitive and like borderline psychedelic. Um, like I could not stand any noise. Like my, um, my husband scratched his leg at one point and I was like, stop, stop, don't do that. He's like, okay. be like, stop breathing. Stop. I just could not handle any bit of like anything. And um, our dishwasher was on buzzing. And I just remember zeroing in on that buzz. And just like, that was my like focal point. Just like, okay. <laughs> um, and I, yeah, very quickly, just my body sort of started just bearing down with the contractions. And this was one thing that did bother me that my husband did that we had to talk about after. <laughs> That he said something like, oh, are you sure you should be pushing already? And I just gave him like the most, most like deadly glare. And I was like, I told you the only thing that could make this dangerous is if you 
question me or try to tell me what to do. No more of that. And he was like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and he didn't do anything like that again, thankfully. Um, but yeah, that like kind of bothered me in that moment. I was like, well, don't ask me why my body's doing that. I don't want to think about it. I'm just going to let it happen. Um, so yeah, probably within 10 minutes of that, um, I reach down and I feel my baby's head and I'm like, okay, okay. Thank God he's like coming. Like this is going to end soon. But also there's this moment of like terror. Like I have to feel the pain. Like I have to, it was like definitely this flash in my, in my head of like, I'm in too deep. There's no way out. Like I can't undo this. I have to just move through it kind of like that theme of my pregnancy of like, well, what are you going to do? There's nothing to do, but just move forward. <laughs> um, so like, I remember just kind of like talking with my baby and like giving us a pep talk. Like, okay, we can do this. We're going to do this. I can't wait to meet you. And then on the next contraction, birthing his head with a few loud screams. Um, and so his head was born and I felt like the way our bathtub was, I couldn't really open my pelvis in a way that I needed to birth his body. So I decided to like, without any communication to my husband or anything, just like jump up and like swing my leg up on the side of the tub. And he's like, okay, what, what's happening? <laughs> and um, I just tell him, catch the baby, which we had never discussed him doing that. Like, I just, I don't know. I never really thought about how or what but you know and he was like okay okay so he like goes and then I just like give it one more push and leaf my son just comes tumbling out um and Mason catches him and um so he looks down and he says we have another son and I'm like give him to me give him to me I'm just like <laughs> pass him through my legs pass him through my legs and then he um he passes him through and it was just like uh relief was like the biggest thing on my mind and also just like i did it i did it like i can't believe i did it it was like the whole thing was like so fast and so like shocking that once he was out i was finally able to be like okay whoa what just happened i just had a baby like um it was it was just like crazy <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to kind of like yeah when it's so fast just kind of have your mind catch up to your body to catch up to like your surroundings and it was just like very whirlwindy um yeah so I got out of the tub I went and laid in bed I think it was like about 15 or 20 minutes after the birth you ended up showing up to my house which was amazing I was like so grateful like that was just the most beautiful, like divine timing. Cause yeah. I would not have wanted you in my space. I wouldn't have wanted anyone in my space. You know, I, mm. because I was so sensitive that like, I don't think I could have handled that, but like, it's just so amazing how it all happened because I did want you then in that moment when you did show up and um, you're such an angel you like cleaned my bathtub and like cleaned everything up for us which was awesome and then you helped like support me in my like squatting to get my placenta out um which happened like fairly easily um and 
yeah, it was just like, really felt like blessed to have you there in that moment and like help me realize like oh yeah like when I do this again I definitely want a woman there like immediately postpartum like ideally I would have somebody just like in my other in the other room while I birth and then them to be there because it yes like my partner was good and supportive but he just like he didn't really know like what was going on like you need a woman at least no you don't need a woman but I want a woman who has walked the path of birth to be there with me in that immediate postpartum time because it just feels like just logistically it feels good to have another person there too for me yeah yeah it was it was such an honor I remember just walking in and just like tearing up and seeing how (laughs) perfect he was and how excited both of you guys were just pure (laughs) like excitement um like I think it is (laughs) Yeah, it is helpful to, I know it is so sweet. Um, yeah, it is helpful to have a woman who is like in a different state of mind because, you know, I remember just like reassuring you that the blood was like, it all looked great. Everything was fine. And it's just, just to hear something like that is so helpful. Yes. Um, and then give you a little bit of like honey and herbs or, you know, everything that you needed that Mason yep. didn't quite know. Um, yeah. I love that. Have another woman just like waiting somewhere else to just help with the postpartum logistics yes. and clean up. Yes. Even just like the placenta bowl and the baby and the, you know, just like, yeah, because I wouldn't have wanted to um, like be alone by myself at all in that immediate postpartum time. Like I didn't want to be alone for like the first 24 hours. Anytime Mason would walk out of the room, I'd be like, come back, come back. I don't know why it was like, so wanting somebody with me that I'm happy he didn't have to be the one to go clean up and he didn't have to be the one to go make my food or whatever yeah yeah Um, it was really important that you two were together and basking in that yes I just like really yeah wanted him with me um and so that was great and worked out perfect um yeah so do you want me to go into like the postpartum situation a little bit yeah. Yeah. When did that, when did you get that first inkling that something was off? So I would say within a couple hours of the birth, I felt in my body, something didn't feel quite right, but I couldn't like pinpoint what it was. And I was very much like, well, I did just like give birth, like, but like something, I just felt almost like in a fog and um like I was seeing stars and um maybe had a little bit of a headache it was just like something doesn't feel like something's just off I could feel um and so I remember thinking well maybe it's just like the blood loss and you know maybe I just have like a little bit of like a a low blood pressure from losing some blood which would be, you know, normal and adaptive and wouldn't really worry me very much. But I was just like, oh, let's just see. So I got the, um, we had a blood pressure cuff and I had my husband check my blood pressure and it was, um, it was actually high. And I was like, hmm, okay, well, I guess I'll just keep that in the back of my mind. But it wasn't like, it wasn't super high that I was like very worried about it yet. I was just like, it is higher than my baseline right now. Um, 
but then I also knew that sometimes that can happen too after birth because of um, that's also like can be an adaptive response to blood loss and it can be you know the adrenaline of the birth and there's a lot of things that can cause that so I wasn't like too concerned um the day kind of went on and I was feeling those symptoms like very persistent of like kind of blurry vision kind of seeing stars and um yeah we go to sleep that night well you know my our friends bring my first son back my oldest son and him and the baby meet and that was like really sweet and then we all um went to bed together that night and that felt like the sweetest thing in the world just like oh my two boys with me um and through the night I was kind of restless and I just kept getting this message like this is not worth dying over like literally that's what I just kept having flash at me this isn't worth dying over I'm like okay maybe we'll just investigate that in the morning (laughs) um so I go back to sleep I wake up in the morning and I just felt like I just knew 100% that something's not right with me. Um, We checked my blood pressure again. And at this point, it was like very, very high. Um, And, you know, preeclampsia is like, truly preeclampsia is quite rare. So I was like, no, this can't be happening to me. Like, please, no. But, um, you know, for that moment, I did the same thing that I'd done throughout the whole pregnancy, just thought about my options. Okay, what are my options? What can I do about this? What, you know, I'm like, okay, I could stay home and like try to do the emergency brewers for a little bit. And I just like felt into that. I'm like, I think I'm too late. I think I'm a little too late for that. And then I felt into the option. I could go to the hospital and I just felt so much peace, like wash over me and just like, okay, that's, that's what I need to do right now. So at like 24 hours postpartum, we um, left to the hospital and yeah, that's a whole other experience. Um, you know, they did end up like putting me on the medications for the preeclampsia and I had to stay admitted for a few days. Um, and yeah, that was a very... That was like, it's a hard experience to look back and just see like the high, like I was on such a high, high to then being in the hospital is kind of like a low, low for me. And just sad that my postpartum time got interrupted in that way. Um, And yeah, in a lot of ways, I wish it didn't happen, but I don't regret it because I do really feel in my heart that I needed that. Um, So yeah, I'm glad about the care that I needed. There was definitely some judgment and um, yeah, not not the best place to be for sure. But I got the care I needed and I'm just like relieved to have like gotten through that experience. Honestly, like I'm just like, okay, good riddance. We're done with that. A really hard piece was just being away from my um my oldest son, like we had never really been apart like that. And that was like, so like heart wrenching for me. Um, and they like, wouldn't even let him come in, even though he was like a nursing baby himself. I need to nurse my child. <laughs> um, and then they like were, they tried to 
have Leaf, my my newest baby, who was only one day old. They tried to get him to leave the hospital. I'm like, um, 100% no, I will go home and die. <laughs> Literally, I will not be leaving him. Um, and they're like, okay, okay, you know, whatever. They definitely did not like me there and that's fine, but because I didn't really like them either. Um, but yeah, so getting through that, I think I learned a lot more about how maybe I could have been a little more serious about trying to prevent preeclampsia. I think because my reflection of um, the pregnancy with my first son, I I kind of viewed that preeclampsia as like, eh, it was, I probably didn't really have it. Like I didn't fully believe that I did the first time around. So I was like, I probably won't get it. So, you know, why do all this extra stuff if it's like not worth it? You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, next pregnancy, I'm going to be very diligent about doing everything that I know of that can potentially prevent it. Um, other than finding a new baby daddy, because <laughs> that also does help <laughs> some women. Yeah, the father's genes affect that, or how does that work again? Yep, yep. There's, um, well, the thing about preeclampsia is really not very well understood at all. They kind of have no idea what causes it. Um, but there has been, um, you know, evidence that, you know, women can have preeclampsia when she procreates with one person, but then when she has a baby with another partner, she doesn't get it. So it's some kind of inflammatory response to that person's like genetics or something. Oh, that's rough to think about. No. <laughs> like, oh, well, you know. <laughs> I remember, actually, no, I do remember hearing about that um, on some podcasts with a woman who was a surrogate and she had like five babies with her husband, never had a problem. And then with the surrogate baby, the donor sperm that happened and it was so sad yeah that's sad yeah then your body I mean you have to think about what high blood pressure can really do to your like blood vessels long term I mean it's not good (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah so what would what do you plan on doing for your next pregnancy yeah so um a big one would be just like overall like stress and anxiety reduction um just like and that's like started now kind of just learning more like coping skills with like stressful situations and um you know I I do believe strongly that like stress and anxiety can have a big role in causing preeclampsia um other than that though just like high protein diet throughout the pregnancy and then if you're feeling you know like you are maybe headed towards a higher blood pressure than your baseline you can like hit the protein hard there's something called a brewer's diet and then um the brewer's diet I don't know how much protein a day it recommends it might even be 120 grams does that sound right I think there's the brewers and then the emergency brewers and they're a little bit different Different. okay but yeah, just that sounds about right. having a lot of protein in your diet every day 
having good quality salt in your diet. Um, so I definitely plan on doing that. Uh, even though, I mean, it seems like it's like a lot of work. If you see the protocol, it's like you're eating all the time, but I'm like, at this point, like it's worth it. <laughs> I don't want to have to ever go through that again. I really don't. Um, and then something I actually just recently heard and learned about was if you snore at night or so when you're snoring, you're essentially like mouth breathing at night. Um, and that can indicate some kind of like an oral dysfunction. You are potentially more likely to develop preeclampsia because you're not really oxygenating yourself well at night. Um, and so just learning about that, I do know that I snore, especially in pregnancy. Um, so, you know, I plan to like address that maybe with some kind of like myo, what do they call that? Myofunctional therapy or mm -hmm. there are different things you can do. So There's nose I, strips. I remember doing that too. Yeah. You, get, you feel kind of congested a little bit during pregnancy. I remember I couldn't really breathe through my nose and that at the end. And that was very stressful to me to sleep like that. Yeah. Yes. And you probably, it's probably most important in the first and second trimester. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because... Oh, I want to ask you about, um, have you looked into this with Dr. Brewer talks about avoiding diuretics. So he includes um, herbal infusions like nettle, oat straw, you know, all of those. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's interesting um, because that's one of the most recommended things during pregnancy. What do you, have you read much into that? Do you feel like you would avoid that too? I actually haven't read about that. Um, and didn't even know, that, but yeah, I would avoid it. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do whatever you can. <laughs> yeah. Like at this point, I'm like, I just, yeah, I'm willing to try it. I mean, obviously what I did did not work. So I'm going to try something different. Um, the other thing that I personally think I will do this time around that I had the awareness of this, um, this prevention method, but I didn't actually try it, which is taking a baby aspirin um, during every day of your first trimester. And that has a lot of like good results in different studies. So, um, you know, typically I, I do try to like stay away from pharmaceuticals, but that one for me just seems worth it. Um, so I think I would do that next time. Um, and there are also some herbal supports that I've um, heard about, learned about Hawthorne being a really good blood pressure support. And um, I actually had an herbalist midwife tell me that Hawthorne has a very like regulating effect on the blood pressure. So some of the other herbs that you can take, they'll just lower the blood pressure. But Hawthorne will actually raise the blood pressure if it's too low or lower it if it's too high. So it kind of keeps it like in homeostasis. Um, so I think I would, you know, potentially try that, like have like a Hawthorne tincture or something um, that I would try. But I think also just like mindset is really important um, and attitude and all that. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you have such a beautiful birth story. Yeah. 
I still like, I, I love my birth. And honestly, when I reflect back on it, I don't really think or remember much about that, like that postpartum, like readmission. And like, I don't know if I just blocked it out or, <laughs> um, but yeah, like, not the first, like it didn't, it didn't like taint my birth story for me in any way. Like I still had the birth that I wanted. And, um, my view is like the system is there when we really need it. And I really needed it. So I sought the help and I'm just like, I'm happy I did. It all worked out. <laughs> yeah. Totally. And then you went home and were you able to kind of go back into the bubble? Yeah. Yes. So I, I went back home and I got myself in bed and I stayed in bed for about two weeks. Um, I had my mom come. My husband was off work for three weeks. I had a postpartum doula that I hired. And lots of um, um, like friends came, brought meals and like hung out with my older son. And yeah, it was like a very, very supported postpartum time. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, made a huge difference. You know, this time around, I don't have like really any anxiety. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm so much happier. I, I love being a mother like a hundred times more than I ever did like I thought I liked being a mother before but now I like love being a mother it was like truly a rebirth for me in so many ways it was like my it felt like with my first birth my initiation from made into motherhood was like somehow interrupted and I was like half in half out and then this time it was like almost like a second chance like okay let's try this again and I fully was able to like break through into it. And um, yeah, there's been so much joy and so many lessons. And yeah, again, like everything that was not serving my highest good has fallen away. That could be hard too. Um, but yeah, I just love it. I love the alignment. I love the, I just love my boys. <laughs> I love all of it. And I love what you have shared before about how you've been changed as a mother by the second child and how you feel more, what was it you shared? I'll, I'll let you speak to it because <laughs> in your words, it sounds so much better. I can't remember exactly what I um, shared with you, but I, I guess I feel like yeah, I feel so much more just like secure in my motherhood. I trust myself so much more. I I don't question um like my intuition at all anymore. Like when I feel something, I'm like, okay, yes, this is what's going on. Or like before I would, you know, be posting on message boards, like what could be going on with my kid? And like, you know, there's like none of that anymore. Like, why would I do I know? Why would they know any better than I, you know? It's just like strength, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the mother's intuition for sure. And um, I just feel so much more secure in my mothering. I don't know. Is there something else you had in mind that I had shared with you? I can't remember. I'm trying to remember. I think you were talking about how you had kind of a baseline of peace a little bit because I had shared with you when my child like screams, I feel like, you know, stressed and like, I need to, I need to address this. It's kind of like a nervous system response to some sometimes and then you feel now like 
you're re really set in your boundaries. Like it's just, it's just a no, you feel calm. Like, yes. yeah. I'll... That has definitely been true for me. Um, yeah, for a couple of reasons, I think the birth gave me the strength to actually start addressing some of my nervous system dysregulation that was always there, but I wasn't super aware of, but then becoming a mother of two, it became very clear very quickly, like, ooh, I'm dysregulated because I see it in my babies. Oh my gosh. And so I actually started doing a lot of more like nervous system work, which is going to be like a lifetime of work for me, I think. Um, but even just a little bit goes a long way. And yeah, so I think just indirectly the birth did bring me that because it's like that alignment thing, just showing me my path forward and helping me be the best mother that I can possibly be for my kids. Well, I love your journey of being kind of um, so deeply embedded in the system to freeing yourself and trusting yourself and stepping deep into your power as a mother. It's, they're such beautiful stories. And I'm just, I'm really so honored to have witnessed you throughout the pregnancy and just been there to see everything and and your baby is just the sweetest boy ever thank He's you so perfect thanks is there anything else you want to share or say about anything I don't think so I just yeah thank you for giving me this space to share my story and um yeah feels good to share it in more like a complete way with you too. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so cool to hear it. So thank you. Thank you again so much. Yeah, thanks. If you are loving this podcast and excited to listen more to these topics of sovereign and instinctual womanhood and motherhood, the call to women's work and more, then here are a few ways that you can support this project and help me continue to put it out there. You can leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, which helps reach more women. You can also check out my book, Pelvic Awakening on Amazon, which is all about womb healing and connection and covers so many topics. And if you love that, you can leave a rating and review there. Um, and then finally, you can also check out my learning library, which includes my wise woman practitioner training, personal healing workshops, and more. All the links are in the show notes. And thank you again so much for your support.